Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and anytime a light shines down upon you, friend of the pod, I know God is up to something. Today, Tim's here to share about our family tree and what kind of antibiotic makes scales fall from our eyes. But before we come face to face with Jesus, now that they've been given authority to arrest believers and bring them back to Jerusalem in chains, let's welcome in our favorite co-hosts, Marin and Tim. Welcome, guys. (laughs) Welcome back. Yeah, it's been a little unexpected break. Yeah. Last we left it, we were like, hey, see you next week. And then we took a month (laughs) off. (laughs) Uh Somebody every week since then, when I see them in the lobby, they're like, what's going on? Where's the <laughs> podcast? But it's that's that's nice to know. Yeah, it's nice to know we're missed. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tim, how are you feeling? I feel fine. Last we saw you was on video. Right. Giving a sermon because you had I know. Yeah, I had positive tested, test. Yeah, I'd been right. I'd tested positive for COVID. I feel fine. Yeah. I was. You're past your quarantine. Yes, I am. Days. And I was. um it was right on the edge for me to come in on Sunday. And so we, on the edge of quarantine. Right. Yeah. And we took Marin's advice and I stayed at home and they, yeah. and she came and videotaped my sermon. Jack of all trades that Marin Gaffron. <laughs> yeah. No. no, I, it wasn't my equipment. I had to borrow the equipment and uh, it was, Elizabeth's equipment and she was on FaceTime guiding me through. Right. Oh, really? She had to tell to you what to do. How to press the buttons and turn the knobs. How did it go? Did you fall in love with video production? I know that I have a lot to learn if I'm ever <laughs> going to do that again. Don't act like you're a big shot. Nope. 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 No big shot here. I have a <laughs> lot to learn. Uh, so, yeah, guys, it's it's the middle of the summer. How's your summer been? I, I feel like We've kind of been here and there and everywhere. I just got mm-hmm. back from vacation. Tim, you've been in Michigan a couple times. Or well, just once. Stints. So we're going back. And we've been to to Olympia, Washington. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for about five or five days, I think. That's it your was. most recent trip, right? Right. That was a family reunion that our children put together. That's awesome. And it turned out to be an amazing, wonderful time. Really? Yeah. The location was probably the reason it was so wonderful because it, my sister lives there in on a, in Olympia. I think it's yeah. Olympia. And but she manages a campground, a church-owned campground, and it has lots of cottages and cabins, and it has a great big dining hall and a big industrial kitchen, and it's on a lake, and they have canoes and cool. kayaks and all that. And all of our grand, all of our children were there with all of their children. So all of our grandchildren yeah. were meeting each other. F- for the first time that they were all together wow. in one space ever. Wow. And they all knew each other through Zoom and things mm-hmm. like that. But the eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds had never seen each other. Wow. That's and cool. It was cool. In fact, uh, when one, they, they came on different days and I was on the dock with one of our twins who's eight. Yeah, eight. And um, my wife is here with us. That's why I looked at her to make yeah. sure I had the and, and, fact checker. And uh, d- down from the car, from the parking area, ran my eight-year-old grandson who lives in Chicago, and the the other uh, the twin who was with me lives in Colorado Springs. And they ran. He ran down, and they stood on the dock right next to me, and they just stood there for about forty seconds, looking at each other. <laughs> 
just staring at each other. And then one of <laughs> yeah. them says, and then he says, Rowan says, I've never seen you before. <laughs> And he goes, which one are you? <laughs> which one? Yeah. She goes, I'm Bonnie. And he goes, let's go. And they just ran back up the dock and up. Into All right. the, up and, and it was his fast uh, friends. Yeah. And it was wonderful. So if, and they're all swimmers. Uh-huh. Like swimmer swimmers. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like part good of the, swimmers. Yeah. It's, they're all on swim teams and know all their strokes and stuff. And the water was wonderful. The lake was clean and beautiful and so we were outside all the time. Yeah. And it was wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah, it really was. It was Are there uh, already plans to like do this again? Well, they're talking about it that the problem is going to be we if we don't have that kind of a setup, mm-hmm. I don't know that we can do it. Yeah. Um, Cuz how many people were there? 23? Wow. 23, yeah, 23. So. Yeah. I've never done 20 yeah, my dad who was there, who's going to be ninety Whoa. this Sunday. He was there. Yeah, he was there with wow. his wife, and he told me it was the best vacation of his life. Oh my goodness! Because he was surrounded by his son and one of his two daughters. One of my sisters couldn't come, but so his kids, most of his kids were there, and he could see all of my children. Yeah, and he could see all of their children. Yeah, and it was. It was a really an un. There wasn't a moment of like, hmm. of tension or anything. It was it was an amazing time. Yeah, right. it, was, it was just it was five days of, of joy. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. It's not every time people go away with that many family members that you come back being like, there's no tension. <laughs> well, the the thing there are so many cottages there with like, we were in this. The boys all slept in one bunkhouse. Oh. So we all slept in the same yeah. space, you know. And what Did you get top bunk? I <laughs> didn't. I slept on the bottom bunk, but <laughs> I had a choice of about 18 or 20 bunks if I yeah. don't want. But um, we, and, and I know this is, uh, people are going to go, that's not what a pastor should do. But we ended each day <laughs> by gathering on my son's bed and watching the eight minute highlights of the tour de France from that day because everybody in the family is into the and into biking. cycling too. Why and is that in, not what a pastor should do? Oh, you're supposed to have prayer and that kind of stuff. You know, everybody that you're at a church owned campground. What yeah, are you thinking? Yeah. Well, they're it's Pastors disciples of Christ. I don't know what those people believe anyway, but oh we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I've never done the family reunion thing. That sounds like it would be a good time. Yeah, I've also, well, that's not true. I did one family reunion. My family from Atlanta, they, I think they have a big family reunion. This is on my dad's side. Every two years, mm. I've never, ever been. But it would be like Yeah, incredible. you got to get down there. Especially now that like both my kids have done the DNA test thing. Right. And now they're connected with all of these like grooms, family members in the deep South, just people wow. we've never, ever met. So I am, I uh, do. I'm a little shocked. You let your kids do the DNA thing. I'm a little shocked. I let my kids do the DNA. Thing. Their DNA is now in the hands of, I know. All right. Thanks if you're fine with it, I'm me. fine with it. I mean, I didn't do it. You know, <laughs> Marin, you just went on a trip. I did. Yeah. Tell us all about that. I just went on a trip. Um, this was a graduation present to my son. Um, you guys both know this. I don't know. You're a grown up you. boy. Um, but yeah, my son's girlfriend's mom, mm-hmm. um, 
wanted to gift my son with an opportunity to meet a Grammy Award winning drummer out in Hoboken. That's cool. And that meant a road trip. Yeah. So, so that was, why did you go? It was, I think, just kind of as a chaperone. <laughs> Uh, me and Jaden stayed in a hotel room and then Jaden's girlfriend and her wonderful mother stayed in another hotel room. Um, and it was just really fun. It was a long drive, but like, have you been there before? I have not. So we were just in Pittsburgh like a couple weeks ago with Jed's family. So Mm -hmm. there was a degree to which I felt like, oh man, we just Mm -hmm. made this drive. Yeah. And we turned around and did it again. But no, I, I, I am very geographically challenged. (laughs) As is my husband. Oh no! So the first well, night, yeah, I learned about this. The first night we were there, I called Jed from the hotel room, and I was just like, "Did you know that Hoboken, New Jersey, like looks at Manhattan?" Yeah. I had no idea. You didn't? Oh, I did okay. not I know where I was going. I am not infallible. <laughs> <laughs> not when it comes to geography, yeah. Tyler. Well, no, I learned I today no that Jed thought New Jersey <laughs> was not, a city in New York. New York, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We gotta. It we, may as well be. We gotta especially have some staff development here. <laughs> Geographical. That part of Jersey, especially, like so many people, just you know, take the tunnel and go yeah, a, into the city. It's and a then, different state. It. It is a state technically, but it's, it's rather small. It's the Garden State. It is yeah. the Garden State. Garden state. Uh, anything that will stand out <laughs> from this trip, like any anything that. Uh, You'll remember um, for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know like how much to share. Hey, this is family this friendly. Is friendly. Yeah, yeah this church family. We listener, the, dear we friend may need of the to pray pod. for Marin. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes <laughs> when I tell Tyler a story, I'm afraid to tell him a story because I know he will do this. I yeah. know he will press me <laughs> and try to get me to say things to all of you. Yeah, I don't know. So there was. There was a, a pit stop into a bathroom at a mall. Like we we stayed in Jersey City. Yeah. But the gatherings with the drummer or whatever, they were all up in Hoboken. And that's about a half hour walk. Nice little walk. Um, anyway, we we made a pit stop in a bathroom somewhere mm-hmm. along the way. And let's just say there was a tremendous bathroom mishap. Um <laughs> Well, don't put it like that. That sounds worse than what happened. Uh, A stall. Skin rashes happen. (laughs) Oh, my God. A stall overflowed and happened to rush into my stall. So a separate stall. Clothes were drenched in toilet water. Started overflowing with water. Yes. And then you. Yes. I was baptized, (laughs) christened in New Jersey toilet water. Uh. Yeah, take us through that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grossing everyone out right now. No, no one no, wants people, to be taken need, through this. You, you, <laughs> Tim. Tim was diagnosed with COVID. You may. We may need to pray for you. If there is something worse than COVID, I probably got it that day. New Jersey toilet water. New Jersey toilet water. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, thankfully, where this mishap occurred was in a Macy's. So I was in a department store. Could you imagine if it was like a Walgreens? What if it was like a rest stop? I know. I would have oh. had no way to get home. Like God rule. I couldn't walk around soaked in toilet <laughs> yeah, what water. You, what was your plan? Like when you... <laughs> My plan was to not get soaked in toilet no, water. No, but once you were wet. Yep. Like so. What was your plan? Yeah, well, did, 
Jennifer's wondering if you found clothes. Thankfully, again, I was in the bathroom of a major department store. Mm -hmm. And so I had the people I was with, that's my son's girlfriend and her mom, go find me help. I need help. I need a sales (laughs) associate. So someone came in. Someone's going to scratch my itch. They felt so bad. And they really like went out of their way to outfit me with something I could wear home and, and comp me like, yeah. So I walked out with a new shirt and new pants and even a new pair of shoes. See? Making the most out of an memories less man. than desirable situation. But yeah, definitely memories. So did that happen on the way there? That like happened. Like that set the tone for the trip? That was the very first thing that happened on the trip. <laughs> like we, we woke up in Jersey. Oh no. And left to get my son to his appointment with this drummer guy, which Mm -hmm. was awesome, by the way. This is a drummer that has Grammys with everyone from Alicia Keys to Kanye West, and Mm -hmm. there's gold albums all over his walls, and super cool that Jaden even had this experience. But this happened in route to get Jaden to that appointment. And I was just worried about my son, like missing out on this incredible yeah, opportunity. Cause you were covered in toilet water. I was covered in toilet water. <laughs> so they left, they left yeah. me at oh. Macy's. <laughs> to sort it all out. They went ahead of me and Jaden got to where he needed to be. And I'm a big girl and I took care of it, but my wow. goodness, so, memories. So yeah. will you let us know when you're wearing that new outfit? So yeah. <laughs> I almost wore it today because oh. I knew you were going to ask That's me about so it. funny. Did I keep my old outfit? That is the question, guys. Did I keep? Well, I kind of don't want to say because if I say, yeah, I threw it away, then I'm wasteful. And if I say, no, I didn't throw it away, then I'm gross. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just. You can wash it. Girls got to have some mystery. You you kept it. I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. I think they gave her a a bag that said Macy's on it and she carried it with her until she got back to the hotel. That's That's 100% what happened. And then I I gave it to the hotel to be laundered. This is, it gets even better guys. It's a gift that keeps on giving. The, the, the person behind the front desk told me they'd send it out that day and it'd be back that night. Oh yeah. So I went back for it that night and it was still sitting in a plastic bag on the shelf having not been sent out. It's Uh, not great. That person promised me first thing in the morning, it'll get sent out. Don't worry. It'll be back by Thursday night, Thursday night, 11 PM. It was still sitting on a shelf. What in the world? (laughs) Plastic bag. Man. So it was never sent out to be laundered. And long story short, they felt so terrible. Hilton did that. They decided to give me a a free night stay. Look at you. Wow. You need to go out there more often and have terrible things happen. I got plenty of bad (laughs) news for you. Oh, man. All right, guys. We just finished week eight of our sermon series, Family Tree. And uh, Tim, like I said, gave the message via video uh, because he was COVID positive. So, Tim, um, we've gone, I mean, it's been a month since we kind of connected on this show about all the things, all the topics and people we've talked about Family Tree-wise. But this week, specifically, we, we... focused in on the transformation of, of Paul. Right. And so can you kind of give us a recap or a big idea of what you wanted people to hear and walk away with as they heard your sermon? Well, the biggest of ideas, I suppose, was that grand trans- transformation is absolutely a possibility. It's what God wants to do in our lives. And that not only does that give us hope for those that are far away from God, but it also 
lets us know that that's the business that God is in and that he, he is paying attention to the details of things and he wants to bring change. And a lot of that change has to do with people's, the direction of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I talked a lot about becoming, coming face to face with Jesus because, and I gotta be honest, the story never says that he sees Jesus. He, because he's blinded by the light, but he, he asks who this is that's talking to him. And then once he realizes that he's talking to somebody, he was going around purposefully uh, hauling off people to be killed because they believe that he was alive. Then he finds out that he actually is because he's met him. Yeah. Mm. Um, that whole concept can be transferred over to people seeing Jesus in us as followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in the new Testament about identity with Christ. You know, this thing about taking off the old man and putting on the new robe, mm -hmm. the one of Jesus and that, that that's a deeply contextual idea about people seeing us and mistaking us for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then this works in the same way. And, and I said, I said right at the end that we, the option is there for us. And I said, to be more than just as everybody says nowadays, the hands and feet of Jesus, but yeah. actually, and I said that on purpose because that's a, that is a, there's something different between our actions and our visage. The visage is that just our presence, our very presence is um, reflective of, and, and I drew that into the family tree thing. I said, mm -hmm. he's our brother, he's our relative and they, they can see the family resemblance. And so that's what that was about. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul, you, you just said Paul was a Pharisee who was killing and arresting Christians. He was arresting Christians and bringing them back to be killed. killed. Was right. that his job? Like, was he getting paid to do that? Or No, what? no, he was, it was not his job. He, um, he, he thought he was doing the right thing. Absolutely. There's no question that there notion of what the Messiah would be and do was completely different than what Jesus turned out to be. Yeah. And so in his mind, and, and we have to remember that their thinking for towards anyone who was crucified was that this was a horrific um, dishonor. There's no, there's no honor at all in being a martyr who is crucified even. And so the, they could not get their arms around the fact that the Romans had killed this Jesus guy and they thought of it as, I mean, they'd had enough trouble, with some of the Pharisees and the other leaders of the religious mm -hmm. aspects of the Jewish world then had had so much trouble with Jesus anyway that when he was killed, it was what they had been hoping to see happen. Mm -hmm. And so for a cult in their mind to develop that said he was still alive and that he <clears throat> was was Lord of everything and and they were going around to synagogues primarily to preach the messiahship of Jesus, he saw this as just, well, I think I said a, a message from the pit of hell. In yeah. And, and so he could not imagine anything for him to do better than to rid the world of this cult. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he was up to. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about that, that way, because you grow up and you reference this, you said, you said we have a negative perception of Pharisees, but Paul was like, if if you put it in today's context at all, like there are there are religions like that 
if an if a sect comes up or a right. cult comes up, like we we would like to shut that down. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's very it's very uh, interesting to think about it that way. Like he wasn't doing it just to be a jerk. He was doing it out of a, like religious uh, zealot. Like he was like a he was fired up about what he believed. Right. I know this. It reminded me um, of a guy that used to go to church. This has been a long time ago. Well, it was it was right after we opened the new sanctuary guy came up to me and he'd been coming to church here for a while. And I knew he was Jewish in his heritage and I forget what I'd preached on, but he come up, came up to me and he goes, now I just want you to know that I like all the stuff you're doing here, but you don't really believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, he died on that cross and rotted and dogs ate his body. And that was the oh. only reason that there was no body to have. And I said, wait a minute. He goes, and I already knew that that was the, one of the primary Orthodox Jewish uh, ideas about Jesus. I mean, I, there's a whole bunch, there's a whole mythology about Jesus that's unrelated to the Bible that is carried in that world. But in his mind, that was that, you know, he, him saying that to me was like saying the exact right thing. He's like, you, you, now, come on, you don't, re- yeah. you know that he was really, yeah. he died on that cross and his, was, his body was eaten by dogs. Yeah. And because that's what normally happened that the people died on the crosses and their bodies rotted and then they slimed off the crosses oh. and then dogs ate them because that was the, I just need to look at the birds. <laughs> do you need, do you need I a something happy? Yeah. <laughs> I need but, to but step my, away my point is that that's what they're, they're, they're at the time they said they stole his body. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that, and now then I listened to a sermon by a guy who was a professor of mine back at Cape and Ray after I'd written mine. And he went on and on about why it was unfair that Paul got to have this major experience with Jesus. And then we don't get to have that anymore. Mm. But I think that the only way that Paul in his absolute, um, he was so convinced of the truth of what he was doing. And he was so zealous about it that short, he would have had an intellectual argument against anything Christians would have said related to the text or related to their own experience. And he needed to have something happen to him that was completely outside of the box or he would never have been willing to accept that, that Jesus was really alive. And so that's why he, who was chosen to be the voice, to be the speaker to Kings and to Gentiles and to all the stuff that it says right there that he's, Mm -hmm. that Jesus says in a vision to Ananias, that if he hadn't, entered into Paul's world like that, there is no possible way he would have ever come around to following Jesus. There's no, no way to convince him at all. And that was the way that I felt when that man was talking to me in the lobby about that. that There was nothing that I could say to him. It was just this wishful thinking on the part of all these Christians that we just couldn't admit the truth. Mm. And it was almost like a condescension. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that Paul was the one chosen by God to to fill this role, because as you're saying this, I'm like, well, it's possible that people wouldn't have received the message for like, in my opinion, it would, it would be, it would be better for God to choose somebody who's like already re- leading the religion, like the Christian sect or whatever, to be the Paul, the, to be the guy that's going to go speak to Kings and all these things. But he chose Paul. I don't know if this is why, but he chose Paul possibly because Paul has this amazing transformation that he can now talk about to the people that would be like, if they would hear it from a regular Christian, they'd be like, eh, that's nice, but moving on. But if they hear it from this guy and it's like, oh, 
Well, he he also had um, he grew up in a Greek speaking area, so he could speak Greek. He grew up in a home that was highly uh, Jewish, and so he could speak Hebrew and read Hebrew. And he was a full Roman citizen, which mm-hmm. gave him access to lots and lots of things that average people did not have. And it protected him in the midst of the uh, ongoing uh, oppression of, yeah. of Christians. Plus, he studied under Gamaliel and, Gamaliel, and so his understanding of the text came from personally reading it and studying it under the greatest mind of the time. Hmm. His his, uh, I guess you would say his portfolio of his life made him the perfect person to, to be that person because everything fit. He could go into any yeah. circumstance as yeah. a Roman citizen with protection to speak about things. And he could be, he was, they couldn't do things to him simply because, I mean, I mean that shows yeah. up in Acts quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And even, and when Paul lists, and I think it's, I forget where it is, it might be in Philippians, where he lists out all the stuff that he has that his he should pedigree. be. His pedigree. Yeah, his pedigree. We just read it and go, huh. But in their world, that is like, he is the monster guy. Yeah. Uh, and then when he has a transition, then he must be serious about yep. it because he's giving up all of the grand as almost all of the grand aspects of what it is to be a Jew in the first century. Mm-hmm. And so I, I understand why now, now some would say, well, God worked to make all that happen to him, but it, it could also be that it happened to him and God had seen him in action and said, I'm bringing that one in. I'm bringing this one in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, at, well, Jesus is the one that brought that one in too. Yeah. And I don't know how that works in, the heavenlies that, because mm-hmm. all the other moments of that kind of a st- statement of God's presence are, we're fairly certain it's God the Father mm-hmm. in that moment. But um, it's just a really powerful story. And he, te- I mean, it's, I said it in the sermon, it tell it three separate times. Now yeah. they're all different contexts. The first one, Luke is telling it. And the second two, Paul is telling it in before different um, audiences. And so there are slightly different details related to what would be important to the audience. But when you put it all together, it's the same story. Yeah. And and as I say all the time, if something is said twice the same way, pay attention. And if it's three times, really pay attention. Mm-hmm. And f- remember, when you're writing a book in that time, you're actually yeah. filling out a scroll that has a certain yeah. length. And you got to be intentional. Yeah. To put the same thing in three times. Yeah. That's not common. Yeah. So anyway. it's interesting to think about like Paul is a little kid. <laughs> like you said, he, he was born to this type of family and he was raised and doing these things. Like, I guess I just think of Bible characters as like singular moments in time, uh-huh. not like adult Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think of him as like Milo's age <laughs> with a dad that's like yelling at him to get off the swing set or whatever. Yeah. It, it is it is interesting to think about. He was so zealous yeah. in his studies and in his pursuit of this wicked sect, you know. Yeah. You could kind of I guess if we're reverse engineering the life of Paul, you could see him as a studious child you know, trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. make his parents proud by studying under this person mm-hmm. or whatever, just 
kind of going hard toward the thing he felt was right. Yeah. And with that zealousness to have such a dramatic transformation. And then we see how zealous he is. Right. On the other side. On the other side yeah. of that transformation. Yeah. Right. And how, why his theological thinking is so clear. The other thing that we have to remember about him is that he also had to learn a trade. If all Pharisees had to have a trade. They were not paid to be Pharisees. Mm-hmm. They joined and they had to be able to support them. So what did he themselves. do? He was a leather worker. He made, oh. they call, have you ever heard the phrase, somebody's a tent maker? Mm-hmm. That, and it means they have a job and they work mm-hmm. in a trade. Well, that's because Paul, now the, actually the Greek is that they, he worked with leather. So we're not sure that when they translated it into the King James, they were unsure about the word. And so they said tent maker. Mm. And so the, as if he took leather and made it into tents, but he could have made all kinds of different leather things, but he was constantly, and it even talks about it at one place where he was off, off working to supporting himself. Yeah, yeah. To supporting himself. So he, and that was part of the whole thing of being really a, a very holy person was to also be self-sufficient yeah. in mm-hmm. some way that you help the society broadly. And so he has to learn all that stuff at the same time. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting. Was there something specific? Like, why did he care so much about going after people in Damascus? Oh, we know exactly why he went after peace people in Damascus. Damascus was a hugely Jewish city. I didn't say this. I said Josephus said. But what Josephus tells us that in the year 66 A.D., 18,000 Jews were were executed by the Romans in a rebellion. So that tells you that there were thousands of Romans, I mean, Jews in Damascus. And when the persecution started in, in Jerusalem, tons of Christians, now there weren't that many, but they all, tons of the ones that did live in Jerusalem ran off to Damascus because uh-huh. it was in and there are two reasons. There's there are two re- reasons. One is it was a highly Jewish place where they could they could get into the community and they wouldn't stand out because Jews stood out wherever they were normally because they were so different from everybody else. Their their all of their habits and practices yeah. and, and lots of stuff was different diet mm-hmm. and everything, so they could blend in quickly. And secondly, we know that from the year about thirty two to about 64 AD, there was a, a lack of Roman uh, presence in Damascus, in that Syrian province where Damascus was the headquarters. And th- this is an interesting fact, but in archaeology, they've never found a single Roman coin in Damascus dating from 32 to 64, hmm. which means there were no- nothing Roman was happening, which means that when they went to Damascus to find Christians, there was no Roman uh, power to stop them from doing whatever they wanted. They had a letter from the high priest, but all that said was they could bring them back in chains to Jerusalem. But who knows what he would have done because they didn't have to worry about the Romans. And so this was like an easy target for them. And that's why he went there. We know Christians went there and they probably got it out of people when they were persecuting them in Jerusalem. Where did your relatives go? And they said, well, they finally got out of them. Well, they went to Damascus. So he goes, I mean, it's a 12 day trip. Mm. And so him going there is because he knows they're there. And, and as I said in the sermon that they, we also know that for the leaders of the synagogues, and that's just a 
voted. It's like being an elder or something. You're in charge of a synagogue, but they want to ingratiate themselves to the high priest. And if they say, turn over all your Christians that are there with you, they're happy to do that to please the high priest mm-hmm. because they're, they're a different breed among the Jews that are worshiping. Yeah. So it's like, it makes perfect sense why mm-hmm. he went there. Cause it was just an easier target. Yeah. The story got me thinking about people that I know that I'm like, I've kind of spent a lot of my life being like, eh, they're never going to change. And I've written them off because it just seems like they'll they'll never get it, you know, get it together. But this story reminds me that not only can people change through through the power of the Holy Spirit or face-to-face with Jesus, but... In Paul's case, sometimes it's really dramatic, which is mm-hmm. kind of what I would hope for these people that I'm talking about. But other times it it takes a long time. Right. But transformation's still the same. Um, but this story in particular reminded me that it's possible for people to actually transform right. um pretty dramatically. Yeah. Uh it also got me thinking about coming face to face with Jesus. Like this wasn't a positive experience for Paul when it happened. Like he was probably freaked out, right? Like yeah. It was a confrontation. A bright light. <laughs> and he went He's blind. blind. Yeah. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. That'd yeah. be terrifying. Yeah. And you're being confronted by God himself, which sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like, I mean, we find all kinds of ways to avoid confrontation with human beings. I can't imagine like the idea of mm-hmm. going blind because there's a bright light and Jesus, I'm like persecuting Jesus himself is what Paul is told. Now I'm blind and I'm being confronted by the God of the universe. Like that sounds terrifying. And I'm blind for days. Yeah. Should we be scared? Like, do you guys, should we be scared of being confronted? Like is confrontation from God, like a thing that scares you? Are Are tornadoes scary or are they awesome? You know, like I just think of something so mighty and powerful is it's all of the things it's terrifying. I think there's a scripture that says it's a terrifying thing to right. fall into the hands of the living God. I mean, think about the creator of the universe. That's pretty yeah. awe-inspiring, awe-inspiring and terrifying at the same mm. time, you know? And that's, there's a reverence there. And I wonder this all the time because is it John on the Isle of Patmos or whatever where he's exiled and he sees the resurrected Christ and he falls on his face? His face yeah. Like if anybody could be like, Dude, what's up? Like if anyone could be casual <laughs> with the risen Christ, it, you'd think it would be him, but it yeah. falls on his face. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's all of those things. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's awe-inspiring. Um, it's like a forced reverence, you know, right. to really behold him. Yeah. I think I lose that. Mm. Like there have been times in my life where I'm like, God, just like, make me, make me fall on my face and whatever. But this sounds pretty terrifying, like (laughs) going blind or whatever. And I think even like John at Patmos, like, wasn't, didn't Jesus tell him like, don't be afraid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is one time when someone is overcome by the presence of God where he doesn't go. They're there. Yeah. um, (laughs) It'll be okay. Peace to you. Yeah. Or something. He doesn't do something that settles him down and says, don't be afraid. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's not messing around with this. And it's interesting. The very first word out of uh, 
Jesus's mouth is the word for resurrection. <laughs> he goes, rise up. Yeah. It's the same Greek word that we use when we yeah. speak of resurrection or they're related words. And it's like the thing that uh, Saul at the time was fighting against was the yeah, yeah. The resurrection. Yeah. And then Jesus uses, he says, he's in an imperative, rise up. Mm. So. Yeah. And then, so, so then there's a believer in Damascus named Ananias and Paul to Ananias would have been like enemy, right? Like this is, this is a guy coming to hunt me. Well, he actually says it to God. Yeah. <laughs> in a vision. He and says it, it yeah. So God Jesus, confronts yeah. Ananias as well. And tells him to go help Paul who's yeah. blind and he's hasn't at, eaten in a few days. And yeah, he's at the house of Judas. People need to know that like 25% of all Jewish men were named Judas. <laughs> I figured that, but that stopped rather quickly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Generational. Yeah. Um, so does Ananias just like naturally, he's probably scared of conf- confronting Paul. Right. Because it's like, well, he's here to arrest me. So it got me thinking about like faith just in general. And I've always thought of this story, like this transformation is like mm. an incredible act of faith. But as I'm thinking about confrontation and what God is actually saying to these two guys, I'm wow. wondering how much choice did either of these guys have in this, when they, when they came face to face with Jesus, like how much choice did Paul have like, it seems like, Oh, he's blind. He has no choice. He's got to, he's got to do something. And mm. so what do you guys think? Like, did, do you feel like Paul had the, cho- had a choice to either continue doing what he's doing or because he's so like, well, I, I don't know about Paul. I, it looks like Ananias for sure had a choice mm-hmm. because he could have been like Jonah. He could yeah. have chosen to say, no, that's too scary. I don't want to do yeah. that. Uh, this kind of is, I'm, I'm, I'm looking over Tim, Tim's notes and I'm reading over the, the story in the Bible about Ananias. You talked just a few moments ago about that person that you think will never change yeah, and how this story gives you hope that it's possible that they could change. I'm seeing a story of Ananias having to be brave enough through the power of the Holy Spirit to go and confront the person, not confront, yeah. but to go and really minister to yeah. the person he thinks will never change. Mm-hmm. In this story, I'm Ananias. In this story, I'm being challenged to not be afraid of that person right. with an ax to grind and that person yeah. with a grudge, to not be afraid to go to them because I'm I'm being sent to them. Yeah. Like Ananias was sent to his guy who would never change. Right. I'm Ananias in the story being, yeah. being sent to those people and hopefully being the face of Jesus like Ananias mm-hmm. was to Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Ananias's first words to, to Paul are brother. Mm. The first word is brother. And that was a term that was really reserved within the Jewish world for one another and the people that were close to you as fellow um, sons of Abraham. And the last thing I'm sure that he had wanted to say to Paul was brother. to call him brother. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, he, he was obedient. I've never had a vision in a dream or anything mm-hmm. like that that sends me off on a mission. Yeah. 
And I have either. thoughts about I have thoughts about why that's the case now and why they were so prevalent in some of the stories of the Bible. But that's for another podcast. <laughs> okay. but, um, but still, he obeyed that vision. Yeah. It was pretty specific. Go to yeah. straight. Go street. there and go wait. to straight street. And, <laughs> straight street. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, wonder how and got to that. the house where Judas, a man named Judas, lives, yeah. a fellow Jew, and you'll find a man named Saul of Tarsus, <laughs> who is there, who is yeah, blind. He's waiting, and he says he's praying to me. I could. I was thinking, oh yeah, I'm sure he yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably begging you. Yeah, that's, that's well. And there were people with Paul who witnessed this event. Mm -hmm. And so their story doesn't really get told much, but it says right there in the passage that they heard a voice, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. couldn't see where it was coming from. Yeah. I wondered, I wonder if they were transformed too, mm -hmm. or if they were like, let's just drop this blind guy off and we'll be on our way back to Damascus. But, it, and if nothing else, if I'm Paul, maybe I am questioning what just happened or mm -hmm. second guessing what just happened, but there were other witnesses there yeah. to mm -hmm. confirm the thing that I just experienced and I'm not crazy because they heard it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So were the scales on the eyes like symbolic or real like physical things covering his eyes? Cause it's one thing to be blind. It's another thing to have like stuff on your eyes that you I've never read anything that gave me an answer to that. To know. I mean, I believe it was real and it says they were scales like on a fish that fell off, but I, I don't <laughs> know. Crazy too. I, it's like, I've never read anybody's commentary on it that made much sense. Yeah. Like as to why that was the case. Um, something like scales. Yeah. Something like scales. Something like scales. Like Plato. <laughs> Tim, you shared about a man who showed you Jesus and yep. played a, big role, important role in your own life transformation. Maren, do you have someone like that for you? That somebody, showed me Jesus? Yeah. The, somebody who like played a really intricate part in your uh, surrender to, to Jesus. Multiple people. Yeah. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. I feel like a lot of people in this world don't have one. Yeah. But I have multiples of multiples. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's, I mean, I'm looking ahead and I'm thinking about Hope Month mm -hmm. this year and we're focusing on the the idea and the broken place of separation from God. And I'm, I'm wondering how many people will come out of Hope Month from Grace Church be, being the Ananias, being mm -hmm. the, you know, mm -hmm. having stories like that. Like I met so-and-so and we got to talk and, you know, down the road, so-and-so says it's because of you yeah. person at Grace Church that mm -hmm. I've had this transformation. And yeah, I, I have, I have people I point to in my life as well that are pretty significant, but you're right. It seems like, it seems like that is pretty, do you feel, I feel like that's pretty critical in transformation, like to have somebody represent that to you. Cause I, I don't, would it have been enough? I mean, obviously it probably would have been enough, but is the bright light and the blindness that it didn't seem like that was the, the, the full equation. It had to have someone else come in there and be like, I'm going to a brother. Yeah. Yeah. So someone to call him brother. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it seems like that is pretty critical to the, the process of transformation. It's not just like fall on your face and go blind. It's you have to have that human representing Christ in your life that um, helps you see that. Yeah. Yeah. None of us are going it alone. 
So how many more weeks of this series do we do we go? One. One. One more week. I do this week. Oh, all right. And then what? What do we do? What are we doing? Um, we're going into the book of Mark, but I don't know what we're calling that series. It's called um, Known. It Thanks, is? Tyler. It's called <laughs> Is that a spoiler alert? <laughs> no, it's oh. not a spoiler alert. Oh, you just oh, didn't I, remember. No, either. I love that you were like so ready with I'm that ready. name. Because yeah, yeah. Because so last meeting I was in, the, there were about four suggestions, and everybody said, yeah. "I don't care. We just want to get out of this." <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's called known. It's called known. Okay, I needed to know that because I'm making all those bumpers for it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. I need yeah. to take all the other titles that I thought they were <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah, but um, so we're starting that in August. Mm-hmm. Who's the last family tree member that we're going to be focusing on? Lydia. Any teasers? <laughs> <laughs> well, she, I will say like- this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> friends of the pod. I don't know how much you like background and information, but even my wife, when I was going over it with her yesterday, said to me, you need to give this one a warning at the beginning <laughs> because there is so much stuff oh to make this story make sense. Gird your loins. Yeah, really. Gird your loins. It's like... This is, it's only six verses. Yeah. And most of it isn't about Lydia. Half of it's not about Lydia. It's about Paul and where she shows up in the story. They talk mm-hmm. about Paul and then she's there, but there's so much background to it. It's a tremendously powerful, important story that I'll be honest. I read numerous sermons and listened to some and could not find anybody that did justice to the passage if you actually do the hard work of oh. the background because what they all and I'm going to say this in the sermon but that most of the time she ends up being a merchant right and right. and her merchantness means that she was making money and it they lead to talking about her being generous with the money she made as a businesswoman and that's okay I suppose but that's <laughs> not well I don't believe that's why she's mentioned yeah. and the first readers would have understood so much more about the context of her life that they would have come up with a very different Mm. uh, reason for her being there. And so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, but I also have to be, I have to put on my history teacher hat for quite a while before Mm -hmm. we can even get to Lydia. Yeah. And I'm trying my best to make it interesting (laughs) (laughs) and I have to put a map up. That's oh for, yeah, this is for your husband. Yeah, <laughs> geographically. Yeah, here challenged. we go. Yeah, just and, draw a picture in New York. The thing is, I got to find. It. And the thing is, I'm trying to figure out when in the next few days am I going to have time to look for a map. Yeah. So just put a picture of New York up there. He'll be transported right to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll right to the region. Yeah. <laughs> Thyatira, just outside of Jersey City. Yeah. There you go. Barry oh. used a whiteboard once and just drew his own map. So yeah. you could, you could you just could draw one. Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I, I'd i get carried away. Yeah. <laughs> so you're out of town next week, so you won't be here with us. Is I won't right? be. No. Okay, so Marin and I will have to... We'll have to Deep dive, Lydia. She sold go. purple things. <laughs> Perfect. Go. We don't even need to do a show. <laughs> All right, so we will be back next week. We're not going to take another month off, so... Curd your loins. Knock on wood. Nah, I we're feel gonna like be every here. time we'll we say here. that, we'll be here. we're not. I'm here. We're here. I'll do it by myself. <laughs> That's, is there a name for a podcast of somebody that just only talks to themselves? Is there like a special? <laughs> uh, they're out there. Hot, 
air. Stop. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. Uh, all right. So, Marin, will you uh, send us out for this week? Sure thing. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 